Hello and welcome to Uprooted, the podcast from the Institute for Agriculture and Trade Policy. I'm Josh Wise. Last week, we heard from Ben Lilliston about the basics of how agriculture works. In the United States, agricultural policy is done through the Farm Bill. Recently, the National Sustainable Agriculture Coalition came out with a series of principles for what the next Farm Bill should contain to truly promote sustainable agriculture. Joining us today is Tara Ritter, Senior Program Associate for Climate and Rural Communities, to talk about it. All right, so Tara, tell us a little bit about the National Sustainable Agriculture Coalition and how that relates to IATP, and uh, give us a brief overview of what they're trying to do with this uh, agenda for the 2018 Farm Bill. Uh, the National Sustainable Agriculture Coalition, also known as NSAC, uh, is a group of um, over 100 organizations uh, and farm groups across the country that are working towards a sustainable agricultural system. Um, so obviously the word sustainable encompasses a lot of different priorities. Uh, those range from rural development to regional food economies, uh, conservation, crop insurance, uh, pretty much anything that touches agriculture, there is a uh, priority within NSAC that they're trying to steer that towards a more sustainable direction. So we participate in NSAC uh, as members of the Conservation Committee, uh, the Climate Change Subcommittee, and um, in a couple other capacities as well. NSAC basically released this agenda with a series of bullet points, and the first is advancing land stewardship, uh, talking about how the Farm Bill can incentivize conservation practices uh, for farmers, and while still make sure, making sure that they are economically viable. Uh, talk a bit more about how that works. Yeah, conservation programs are um, a real cornerstone for how we do environmental protection in, in the farm system in the U.S. Uh, these conservation programs are largely voluntary. Farmers get to decide whether they um, participate in them or not. And they're generally offered through the USDA's um, Natural Resources Conservation Service. Uh, the conservation programs allow farmers to get incentives, generally financial incentives, for um, a wide variety of practices, including, um, you know, getting money for building structures or installing um, buffer strips along water, keeping marginal farmland out of production. There's um, a whole host of things that farmers can do and receive payments for. Um, some of these programs include the Conservation Stewardship Program, uh, the Environmental Quality Incentives Program, um, the Agricultural Conservation Easement Program. And uh, these conservation programs are generally, their funding gets cut every year. And so NSAC is really pushing through their agenda for the Farm Bill to maintain funding for these programs and to increase it where possible. Uh, there are, you know, certain farmers that have a tough time accessing these programs, so expanding access is a big priority. Uh, targeting dollars to the most effective conservation activities is another priority. Um, oftentimes, there are conservation activities that will have a larger environmental impact than others, and if we can target the conservation dollars available to those practices, that will obviously have the biggest impact. Uh, and then also, NSAC has built in priorities for support around outreach, planning, implementation, um, measurement, evaluation, and reporting. So kind of these structural things that help farmers decide what practices they want to do on their land and then also see whether they're working or not so that they can adaptively manage and sort of get the biggest environmental bang for their buck. 
Related to that is figuring out how to make sure that farmers have sustainable incomes on the land while they're engaging in sustainable uh, conservation practices and sustainable agricultural practices. So the second part is something we've already talked about once on the podcast, which is the Local Farms Act. Um, ben Lilliston talked about that a couple of weeks ago, but uh, just give us another brief overview on what NSAC is hoping to achieve uh, through uh, basically the Local Farms Act. Uh, the Local Farms Act really addresses regional food economies, local food systems, um, creating new markets for farmers and building jobs in that local food systems realm. We uh, have seen that consumer demand for local and regional products is on the rise. Uh, it's bigger than ever, um, but farmers and institutions too are, are facing roadblocks to entry into that market. Uh, there's often a lack of infrastructure, so this can include um, places to store crops, aggregate crops, um, transportation systems to get crops from a farm to an institution or to the farmer's market or to whatever end market they're participating in, and then also um, processing capacity can be lacking as well. And then we also see marketing and business planning being skills that are necessarily you know, built in. And so the um, Local Farms Act or the NSAC priority of investing in growing regional food economies is really trying to help farmers um, update their businesses and access this type of infrastructure and business skills that are necessary to participate in local food economies, which is a different you know, tactic for, for going about growing and being a farmer. Uh, some of the priorities within that are um, outreach, cost sharing, technical assistance, uh, really increasing the access to fresh and healthy local food um, in low-income groups and communities of need, so kind of targeting where those markets pop up, uh, developing and strengthening that infrastructure that I talked about, and um, thinking of ways that we can better connect producers to consumers in a, in a direct and local way. And what we've talked about previously on the podcast is that this is the alternative to the intensive export-driven agricultural system. If we're going to uh, create a viable alternative, it has to start at the local level. There's been a lot of consolidation in the seed industry, and in trade negotiations, the issue of patents has been a big deal because it would restrict the ability of farmers to save their seeds and do breeding. NSAC has a priority that would allow farmers uh, protection to save their seeds and to do that type of breeding so that we're not losing seed variety and to um, counteract consolidation in the industry. Tell us a bit about that. So like you said, um, we're increasingly losing diversity in our seed stocks. Uh, we know that with climate change, um, you know, with these giant global markets, uh, diversification is really necessary as, as a risk management plan. Um, so the, the Farm Bill can invest in this, in this kind of diversity and resilience by uh, expanding quality seed options. So giving farmers the freedom um, to choose what they grow and how they grow it, which is something that uh, in a lot of cases right now, corporations are controlling or have certain rules around. Um, so giving, giving farmers that freedom Can is- Can you explain how that works, uh, how corporations are controlling the seed market right now? There are um, a handful of corporations that are controlling a large percentage of the seeds that farmers can plant, and there are rules around how farmers can use those seeds. Uh, oftentimes, they're not allowed to save seeds for the next year. Uh, some of the seeds that are available need to be paired with certain uh, herbicides or um, insecticides that 
are required to get the seed to work, work properly and this um, diversity of seeds is not available in the way that it should be. There's not as many um, different types of seeds to be growing as, uh, as would be beneficial for building up um, soil health and resilient farming systems. The next part of the, the platform talks about crop insurance and crop insurance is essentially uh, the way that farmers are making up uh, their loss when uh, the price of commodities is below the cost of producing it. How would we change crop insurance to uh, make it a more equitable program that uh, incentivizes conservation and sustainable agriculture? Yeah, uh, I'll say, you know, it certainly covers farmers when crops are below the cost of production, but as we are entering an age of increasing extreme weather events and climate change, it also protects farmers um, in drought years, flood years, um, you know, when an extreme weather event really takes out the crop. So even if the price is good, there are um, ways for things to go wrong. And uh, we're all depending on this food and on the supply that farmers are producing. And so they need that safety net there. Um, we've heard that from people over and over at listening sessions and um, when we're gathering priorities. So uh, current federal policy on crop insurance uh, is, is the way that farmers receive the safety net. Uh, right now, it doesn't serve all farmers equally. So it can be harder for a farmer with a diversified operation uh, to get full crop insurance to cover their whole farm. So expanding that kind of access and um, making sure that diversified farms can access crop insurance is a huge priority. Uh, right now too, uh, there's no link between um, the conservation practices that you're doing on farm and the crop insurance payment that you get. So an NSAC priority is to link these two. If you are um, participating in conservation practices that build up soil health and that can help make your farm more resilient to extreme weather events, that maybe that could um, impact your crop insurance, insurance premium payments. Uh, also reforming the program structure so that it's not unfairly influencing markets or a farmer's planting decision. So right now some farmers are choosing what to plant, not plant harvest, not harvest, um, based, on, based on crop insurance um, payments. And so that's something that we're trying to think through uh, and then improving the delivery, of course, uh, with any program like this, there are um, administrative burdens. And so we're working to make the process more transparent and efficient. The last part of the platform focuses on beginning farmers. We know that it's increasingly hard to get started as a farmer if you don't already have access to land. Uh, healthcare is a major barrier to entry for new farmers. Uh, but at the same time, uh, farmer, existing farmers are an aging population. Um, what's NSAC's priority around transitioning uh, farms to beginning and new farmers? Yeah, this is something that we've wrestled with at IATP uh, because we know that during the next five years, so over the course of the next farm bill, uh, nearly 100 million acres of farmland is set to change hands. Uh, so that means farmers will be retiring and they'll need people to take their place. Um, we're also seeing a lot of challenges in the farm economy, and so the question of how are we asking young people to enter into farming as a profession when it is so fraught with struggle right now and so difficult to turn a profit? Um, we know that you know, debt is increasing and farmland values uh, have been dropping for a long time. And so how do we make farming a profession that young people want to get into and that they can succeed in is really the question. Uh, so as we're looking to knock down some of these barriers to entry, um, access to affordable farmland is a big one. So making sure that beginning farmers can um, get on the land to begin with, whether it's renting or buying, um, 
empowering them with the skills to succeed in today's agricultural economy. Uh, a lot of us, you know, didn't grow up farming and getting into that requires a set of skills that, um, that need to be learned somewhere. So getting programs in the place that can teach people how to be new farmers, um, access to capital too. So farm equipment is expensive. The land is expensive. Inputs are too. There's, um, we need to get, get these systems up and running and, often um, loans and banks are, are kind of the gatekeepers of that kind of credit. And so uh, increasing access to that credit and making sure that these new and beginning farmers are eligible for crop insurance is a big thing too, so that they can access that same safety net that is protecting other farmers. Uh, and then also, you know, as beginning farmers are getting on the land, encouraging a commitment to, um, to conservation. So really figuring out how we can begin operations that are committed to um, air quality, water quality, uh, soil health, and building those in as um, central priorities. And just to close, uh, in this Congress, getting a lot of what's on this platform through is, let's say, difficult. Um, is there anything in the platform that you think might be achievable in the Farm Bill? And what other avenues are there uh, for making sure that some of these priorities actually do get uh, addressed, if not in the Farm Bill? You know, I think a lot of these wins are achievable, right? Um, folks want farmers to succeed. Uh, the ways that they go about doing that differ, and this Congress might be a tough one to get certain priorities through. But for instance, this year um, in appropriations was one of the first years uh, that they haven't recommended cuts to some of the conservation programs. So we're seeing a small win there. Um, I think it's important to think through what the Farm Bill does and what it doesn't do. Um, the Farm Bill is super important to slowly lay the groundwork for the alternatives that we want to see. The Farm Bill is a great thing um, for when things are going well for farmers. They can you know, access uh, conservation payments or conservation programs, um, crop insurance programs, things like that. Um, but trade is really a huge influencer over agriculture right now. Uh, it's a struggle in the agricultural economy. Um, the USDA forecasts that U.S. farm incomes are going to drop 8.7% in 2017. Uh, and we also know that farmland prices have been dropping for over three years. Uh, and we've all heard about the myriad weather and climate impacts that um, farmers have been dealing with. Um, a lot of people are responding to this by overproducing crops. Um, and, and that's where this big export market is coming into, coming into play. People are saying, you know, where is this oversupply going to go? Um, it's going to go to exports. Well, we're certainly not the only country in the world producing crops and not even necessarily the cheapest. Um, so the Farm Bill isn't taking these really big issues into account. And that's important to remember. Um, the trade policy conversations that are happening right now with um, NAFTA and otherwise are, are really a way to get some... Um, agricultural systems change that um, that might have that bigger impact, especially right now in, in times of struggle. Um, and then the Farm Bill, again, is a really good way to build up these alternatives and little by little we can see some of these wins coming through. Thanks a lot for taking the time to talk today, Tara. Yeah, of course. For more information about this work, including a link to Tara's blog on how the Farm Bill can tackle climate change, you can visit our website at www.iatp.org. You've been listening to Uprooted. I'm Josh Wise. Thanks for listening.